0: We're super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. They are suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self, an expression of your personality. They're more than meets the eye, but also, therefore, the athletes. Do you run? Do you golf? Do you train? You want to look like your favorite athlete? Guys like Lamar Jackson, Debo Samuel, Aaron Jones, the backbone of my dynasty team, Justin Jefferson? Well, then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today and listen up because it's officially almost summer which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today personally i love the holbrook sunglasses just a very classic look and comfortable fit for wearing around town every single day and oakley even offers prism lens technology what the hell is that you ask it's a proprietary technology to oakley and available for everyday settings as well want to more no more I know you do. So head over to Oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday sunglasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to Oakley.com for more information today. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. It is free agency week. The free agent market officially opens up on Friday, 6 o'clock Eastern time. We're going to have our fun Friday show that afternoon live right here on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. You can come join us as we count down to the kickoff of free agency. So lots of stuff coming up this week and We actually have some Lakers news to get into today because Jalen hood Shafino as well as Maxwell Lewis, were introduced to the media today. GM Rob Palenka had some things to say. The Lakers actually made some moves, kind of, in terms of uh, of contracts and things of that nature. So we have a lot to get into today. Joining me is Sean Davis from LakersNation.com. Sean, exciting time of year. Before you know it, we're going to be at Summer League. But first, we've got an incredible free agency period to get through.
1: Oh man, I can't wait to be out there with you guys in the summer league. If you guys are going to be there, come say hi. Like, there's yeah. we're not we're never too busy. Come say hi. Well, okay, maybe that part's live, but like, come say hi regardless. It'll be uh fun to chat up with you guys. I can't wait for summer league, but like you said, first we have a crazy week and a half or so upcoming with NBA free agency, like the bulk of it at least. It's gonna be a ton of fun. I can't wait to break down with you and the rest of the staff, Trev, about who the Lakers might get in free agency.
0: All right, so let's. Well, I guess before we get into all the news, if you're not subscribing to the YouTube channel yet, youtube.com slash Lakers Nation, you're not subscribing to the podcast feed, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, just search Lakers Nation, you'll find us. uh, Please do so. Make sure that you are subscribing both those places. We're going to do everything we can to keep you as up to date as possible with all the Lakers news breaking down all the contracts as they come in, what all of it means. We look at everything through purple and gold lenses. So if we see the Lakers go sign player X for this much money, we're going to be able to look at it and say, okay, that's what this means moving forward for the team. How much money they're going to have to spend elsewhere. We'll be able to say, oh, that's a mid-level exception contract. That means the Lakers have clearly made decisions X, Y, and Z. As a result, there's a lot of moving parts and all of it's interconnected here. For the Lakers, so we're going to be breaking down everything as it happens all throughout free agency. So again, make sure you subscribe, turn on those notifications, both the podcast side as well as the YouTube channel. But lots to get into today. Let's start right here with just some—it's almost housekeeping because we knew this was going to happen, but still good to see the Lakers officially give qualifying offers to Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura. Now, what that means. The most important piece is that both are officially restricted free agents, and it means the Lakers will have the ability to match any offer given to either one of them by any other team in the NBA. It means it is the Lakers' decision if these guys are playing on another team next year. The Lakers have to make the conscious choice to let these guys go. Uh, Sean, that is a good thing. This is what we expected to happen. Nobody was expecting anything less but still good to see this procedure has been taken care of. It's handled, it's done, and they are restricted free agents.
1: Yeah. Just like you said, a good bit of housekeeping here, but um, the Lakers, you know, just making sure they follow through with the process uh, appropriately. And like you said, just making sure that they are in the driver's seat of Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura being back in purple and gold next season, which I think is what we all want. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think there's a number that's realistic for either player where I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing it. So my full anticipation is that Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura are going to be in the Lakers uniform next season.
0: Let's say just to te- put that to the test, Houston says Rui here's four years, hundred million.
1: Is that realistic though? That's what I no, said like, <laughs> no,
0: it's not. It's not. But <laughs> I'm just say like, I I do think I. I'm very, very confident Austin will be with the Lakers next year and beyond. Uh, and I think Rui will as well. I, I have a harder time figuring out what Rui's market is, though. Yeah. Like some team could. There, it's a very weak free agent class. Some team mm. could do something stupid with with Rui and give him a lot. Right. I mean, it takes one team yeah. to give out an offer that is ridiculously high to create a problem for you. Um, and that's obviously not what the Lakers want to see. But also, I don't think teams are gonna do, go too crazy over Rui Hachimura. Like he, he was okay during the regular season. He had some good moments, had some bad. I like Rui a lot. Don't get me wrong, but I think most teams will realize that what he did in the playoffs was great. It was also unsustainable for him to continue shooting as well as he did in the postseason. So, I don't think some like crazy offer is heading his way. I, I think both do stick with, uh, with the Lakers. Ultimately, though, when the dust settles, I think both guys stay with the Lakers.
1: All right. Let me throw you another number. Houston, since we're just naming Houston. Okay. They're, so they're those the
0: those boogeyman ones. in this free agency class.
1: Yeah. Them and maybe San Antonio, I guess, because they have, they both have sure. the most money, I believe. Um, Yeah. I was going to say Utah, but Utah doesn't have that much money anymore, right?
0: They spent it on John Collins.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. I forgot about that trade. Um, Houston offers Ruby four years, 85 mil. Hmm. I think that's where my limit is. Like anything yeah, that, past that,
0: I'm like no. I mean, you're talking about an average value of over 20 million per season. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. You you throw in like a player option at the end of it. I think you got to. Think be the Lakers. You have to think long and hard about whether or not you match that. But but again, this is not what I'm expecting. All along, we've been saying he probably ends up somewhere in the 15 to 18 million range. Frankly, I'll say this, Sean, for for Rui. My best case scenario is the clock strikes 3:01 Pacific time uh, on Friday to officially kick off free agency, and the news is the Lakers and Rui Hachimura have agreed on a on a contract extension. My guess, this is my guess for what it's going to be: three years, forty five million. Mm. That's my guess. That, that's that's a guess, and I think that's player option at the end. Possibly. I think that's realistic. It wouldn't shock me if it was 50 million. Yeah. But that is similar to what he wasn't going to take from the Washington Wizards. I think he sees kind of what the, the landscape is out there. There's not a lot of free agents. There's also not a lot of money to be spent, though, in free agency out there. That's more than a, than a mid-level exception offer would give him. And so I think it makes some sense. Um, so that's my guess, what it's actually going to come in at, But or, or my prediction. Uh, nonetheless. Austin, I'm not that worried about. Really, is going to be interesting to see how those offers come in. And if it's just something like he doesn't have to sign an offer with another team, the Lakers could give him an offer and he can say, yeah, we're good. Let's go. Yeah. Um, so would uh, the added benefit too is if you get that deal done first, he's on the books at 18 million. That's his uh, cap hold. That would knock him down to 15 million, which procedurally could matter uh, if you're able to do something like that.
1: Yeah. 3 for 45 I think is like best case scenario. That'd be Probably awesome.
0: Be. Yeah. Maybe I'm being overly optimistic there. You remember though during the regular season there was a point where Rui was not shooting the ball well and people were wondering like not just not just like fans. I'm talking about league people. Yeah. Were wondering like does he even get 10? Like that was Yeah, that was we were le-
1: having that conversation.
0: That was a legit question from from within from within the NBA. Um, Obviously, he played very well in the playoffs, and I do think he's going to get a bit more. But main point here, Austin, Rui, both restricted free agents, so that is a good thing. Also, another no-brainer, the Lakers officially pick up the option next year on Jared Vanderbilt. $4.7 million coming to Jared Vanderbilt. Vando just 24 years old. This is one of the best contracts in the NBA. Like, Sean, if Jared Vanderbilt, if he suddenly becomes a 35% shooter on just corner threes, that's it. And maybe that's wishful thinking. I might be asking too much. He shot like 30% from three last season. And by the way, he basically only takes corner threes. Like he doesn't take above the break threes. Yeah, I think he shot like seven of them all season. Yeah. If he could hit 35% from corner threes, to where you can't just ignore him when he's in the corner. He might be, and I'd have to really do a deep dive into the contracts in the NBA. He's up there and might be the best contract in the league if he does that from the corner three.
1: Yeah, no, I'm super high on Jared Vanderbilt still. And uh, like, I just have two things I would love to see from Bando heading into next year. Mm -hmm. Again, that same benchmark around 35% on corner threes. And then like, I want better screen navigation because I feel like we ran into the problem in the playoffs. So like, okay Steph, high usage ball screen guy compared to ISO, which is not where Vando, you rather have Vando on a great one on one player. Steph is going to use ball screens more similarly, uh, similarly to like Jamal Murray. Jamal will ISO more, but great high usage ball screen player. If Vando can improve as a screen navigator, then like it doesn't matter who's out there because he's quick enough to be able to guard the quicker guards in the NBA. It's just that mm-hmm. when you start throwing in multiple ball screens at him, it becomes a problem. But um, now he fixed the screen navigation. It doesn't matter who's out there. It's okay, cool. It's Luca. It's Steph. It's so-and-so. It doesn't matter. It's Vando. Go get him. You combine that with 35% three-point shooting only on corner threes. Like you said, it's up there with amongst just value one of the best contracts in the NBA because that's a ten million dollar player, if not more, that you yeah. got for four million dollars.
0: And that's that's the big it's the big drawback to his game right now, is that you can play him off the floor on the offensive end. Like teams just ignore him and just camp an extra player on LeBron, an extra player on AD, an extra player in the paint. Yep. Right? They just ignore him uh, on the offensive end, and if you no longer can do that, ah, it changes so much changes so I'm not even I haven't even talked about like his finishing at the rim. That needs improvement. I don't even care right? about that. But just hit 35 percent from the corner three so you could stand out there and teams have to at least care a little bit that you're standing there. And man, it changes so much because he is a phenomenal defensive player. But again, the Lakers, no brainer. Obviously, they were going to do it. They pick up the option on Jared Vanderbilt. All right. We also got Rob Polenka. At the presser, introducing Jalen Hood who is the Lakers' 17th pick in the NBA draft, and Maxwell Lewis, who is the 40th pick in the draft. And uh, he, Rob, talked a little bit about what his intentions are in free agency and building out this roster. I actually got the clip here, courtesy of Editor Extraordinaire Daniel Starkand. Here's what Rob had to say on the summer roster build and what we can all expect from the Lakers over the next few weeks.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, we're at the doorstep of free agency and we've been pretty clear since our last game uh, with the success of making it to the Western Conference Finals. We wanna try our hardest to keep this core of guys together and also improve um, around the edges and on the margins to not only get back to where we were last year, but hopefully take the next step, um, get into the NBA Finals. Um, I think, you know, the league is, is full of young players that that can surprise even in the playoffs. The team that beat us, Denver had a guy that drafted last year um, that was in their rotation. Um, so I don't want to put a limit on what either of these guys here can do for Coach Ham and the team. Um, I think they're going to start with the foundation of work. And if they earn minutes um, in our rotation, that's because they put in the work to do it. Um, but I do, I, I do think guys can be impactful in this league, even young players.
0: Okay, so I do want to qualify this. General managers are not always honest this time of year. You can't be. You can't be, right? I mean, it could be a competitive disadvantage if you are totally forthcoming with everything that you're putting out there right now. That said, I believe him. Rob is essentially saying we're running it back. Right? He's saying, we're going to run this thing back with a few changes in the margins. The young core, that's what they're going to bring back. And we do need to talk about what he said about you know rookies getting minutes and all that kind of stuff. We'll get to that in just a moment. But Rob essentially says, we're running it back. That, to me, means Austin, Rui, and D'Lo, who we're going to talk more about it in just a minute. But is that the right move here for the Lakers? Let's run this thing back for the most part. And any moves that we make are going to be done more in the margins. We're not taking the big home run swing this offseason.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great way to, to go about this team build. As long as it's like within reason in terms of like the salary cap and you don't get mm-hmm. to any, uh, you know, problems running into that with the new, uh, updated CBA that applies this summer. Um, that's accurate, right? The, to some part, like that does,
0: yeah. So the the most punitive parts of it, in terms of like you lose your you know your draft pick seven years down the road, those that gets kicked to the back of the first round and it gets frozen, you can't trade it, and you know all that that kind of stuff. Um, and there's a bunch of other things that is all happening next summer. Gotcha. But the second tier apron, right. the super tax, if you will, is going to be in play this year, and if you cross it you will not have access to the taxpayer mid-level. That's the big detriment to going over that, which is now going to be right around 182 million or so now that the cap has gone up. So if you cross that number, you don't get that 5 million taxpayer mid-level to go spend in free agency. Um, some teams obviously are blowing past it anyway, but though there'll be more punitive restrictions coming in place next summer beyond just losing the taxpayer mid-level.
1: Gotcha. I just want to make sure I was right there. But... um. I think it's a great way to move about it, especially if we look at your top eight guys like coming back, you know, obviously have the four guys are technically still under contract. Braun, uh, AD, Braun, AD, Vando Christie. Now those are your Mm -hmm. four. And then are even like top seven, like, uh, now, like you mentioned, Austin, Rui, and then Dilo, like I said, we'll talk about more later on. Like that is a really good seven, like Mm -hmm. objectively speaking that is a really good seven that all, will contribute to winning and contribute to the Lakers, like having a good season. And then honestly, if that's like the seven, like I, I think sometimes like running it back, we think of it as we're completely running it back. We're bringing back all 15 dudes or like, we're bringing back yeah. the 10 man rotation. Like in my opinion, bringing back that seven is running it back. Like you got seven rotation plus level players, right? That, contributed last season even max max played 41 games 12 minutes a game or whatever had some big moments especially when the injuries happen it's like seven rotation players are better from a previous team that went to the western conference finals that is the team in my opinion that's running it back um so yeah i I think that's a good way to move about it and like you said just add around the margins you draft two rookies so that's potentially nine players already Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think that's a great way to move about
0: it We're gonna pause for just a moment to talk about game time. Ticket buying can be a very stressful experience. Personally, I am always trying to make sure that I'm getting the best deal. And that's not always easy to know. You have to go fully through the checkout process. Sometimes one app will say one thing, another app won't give you the final price until the end. It is a nightmare. But buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They've got killer deals on last minute tickets and a best price. price guarantee so you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you are going to have. Forget about planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. So you suddenly find yourself with a little bit of time, you have some friends that want to go do something, grab tickets on Game Time. Game time, the guarantee means that you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's how confident they are in their best price game time guarantee. It is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You even get images of your receipt before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code LakersNation for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, again, create an account, and redeem the code Lakers Nation for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Yeah, and it's not you know sometimes when we hear running it back that can be brought with some negativity. Yeah, because it gets equated with complacency, right? Sure. You're running it back. That means you're not really doing anything, and that's not true. That's right. I look at it like a workout, right? <laughs> Let's say you've got a workout routine that you know that you do all the time, right? If you go and you do that routine again, well, you're still getting the benefits of the workout, right? You're doing the routine that you know, but you're not complacent. You're not doing nothing. You're not sitting on the couch eating potato chips. You're doing the workout. Now, maybe there's another workout that you could try doing, right? And you can go down a different path and there's going to be some pros and cons to that. For example, maybe you're not familiar with that workout. Maybe the possibility, the potential for injury is higher. If you go and you do that workout that you're not used to at all. But either way, you are still doing something. You're not sitting complacent. Bringing back most of the team is not complacency. You're still getting that workout. You're just traveling down a road you've already traveled down. You're doing the workout that you already know something about. And there could be a benefit to that in terms of mastery, right? You're getting better at those particular exercises that are part of that workout. Just as I expect the Lakers as a team, if you bring them back, their chemistry, how well they click on the floor, it's just going to get better. It's not as exciting. Right as the shiny new toy, it's not as exciting as like last summer, the summer before, where I did like 10 or 11 individual videos the Lakers just signed this guy, right? any of the
1: ideal off season videos that you do last year,
0: <laughs> a ton of them, right? And and so it's not as exciting as that, but we've also seen that chaos isn't always a good thing. It's not. I mean, how many times have we talked about hey? Opening up the season, the Lakers are taking on the Warriors in Game One, and the Lakers have played like a few preseason games together, and the Warriors have played together for like six years. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> right? Like, there's a real benefit to having consistency. Now, yeah, he also mentioned though, getting things done in the margins. Okay, and of course, we could talk about: Do you bring back Mobamba? Do you bring back Malik Beasley? Some of these other guys, and the cap math is all going to matter a lot with that. But Rob also said that in terms of the margins, what you're going for in free agency, he said it's targeting tough, defensive-minded, selfless players in free agency. That's who he's looking for. And we're talking, I'm not talking stars, okay? You're not going to go get Draymond Green, <laughs> even though he might be a tough, defensive-minded, selfless player, right? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about players that you're going to get from Maybe a taxpayer mid-level, maybe a biannual. Most likely, we're talking veteran minimum. Can you think of any of the free agents out there that that come to mind that fit that bill?
1: That screams Javon Carter. Yes, he just declined his yes, player. O- it was a player option, right? Player yep. option. Just declined his player option. Has a working relationship, hopefully better with Darvin Ham. Like that screams Javon Carter. Like selfless, tough defensive player. That can knock down the three of these in our uh clip as well. 35-ish percent, I want to say is the number. Um, so yeah, that's green. Like that's the first number, uh, first name, excuse me, that popped in my head. Dante Di Vincenzo also popped to my head a little bit too. Um, who would probably exclusively be a, a full mid-level guy? I don't think you could get him for anything else, but if not like most of the mid-level most at the of very the least. Sure, yeah. Um, so those are honestly like the first two guys to pop into my head. Honestly,
0: Javon Carter, forty-two percent from three last season on oh, geez, four point two attempts per game.
1: Yeah, I I undersold him a lot. My bad, Javon.
0: He's, now, now that said, he averaged eight points per game last season. Yeah. Now he didn't play in twenty-two minutes, but still, I mean, he hit a couple of threes essentially, and then he would get another bucket. That's basically what he did. He hit three shots per game. Um, for, for the box. In fact, exactly three. He averaged three made field goals uh per game. Um, so two threes and a, and a layup or something. And that was what Javon Carter gave you. But nonetheless, yeah. a, a defense first guy DiVincenzo would make a lot of sense too. But that's, you know, you're probably using your uh, a good chunk of your mid-level. Do they need it, it? Let's say they do bring back D'Lo. You bring back D'Lo. You bring back Austin. You picked up JHS. I look at, like, a a Dante DiVincenzo, a Javon Carter. Is that... Are we assuming Dennis is gone?
1: If you bring up one of those two guys, then yeah. Dennis is almost certainly gone in that instance. Same with Lonnie, in my opinion.
0: And that's, that's the type of thing that we're going to be able to kind of... See, you'll get a lot of outlets will say, oh, the Lakers signed this player, right? And this is what we hear the contract is going to be. But what we're going to do is we're going to break down, okay, what does this mean moving forward? What does this mean for the rest of the roster build? If we hear the Lakers are matching an offer on Austin Reeves and they sign Javon Carter and they're bringing back D'Lo, we know that probably means Dennis Schroeder not coming back, right? We can make that that connection um, because we're going to look at everything through purple and gold lenses and we're going to approach it from that that path. But anybody else? That you could think of that makes sense, um, that uh, might be an intrigue. Like, does that eliminate Christian Wood from the mix? I think so. Right. That does not sound like Christian Wood at all, does it?
1: No, not at all. Um, like, there's a couple of other guys. For like any of the other guys I want to say, are pretty unrealistic. Like another name that actually like really fits that mold is Josh Hart, but like that's really unrealistic. Let, um, let me hit
0: you with another Josh. Josh Richardson.
1: That's a good one. What do you think his uh, market is, though? Like, that's... I
0: don't know. He's probably a, a decent chunk of the, the MLE. He got $12.2 million this last season.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't be opposed to it, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad. That wouldn't be bad. But it's... That tells you where the Lakers' head is at. And I like it. I like it. Hey, let's let's surround LeBron and AD... With guys who are going to, going to defend their butts off, I would assume guys who can also shoot the three, and off we go. And that is that's we've been saying it forever. It's not rocket science. You put guys next to LeBron who can make threes and defend, and good things tend to happen. So, yeah.
1: Which uh, I hate to interrupt, bring back like this version of the Lakers, but that really makes that 2018 version of the Lakers like a really weird build. I never liked that build for the Lakers team where it's like we're going to surround LeBron with all playmakers and absolutely no shooting.
0: (laughs) Oh God. Yeah, that was not good. That was not good. That did not make any sense uh, at all and it did not go well. It did not go well surprisingly enough. All right. So there's what the Lakers are thinking. Mostly you're going to try to keep your young core. That comment makes me believe more than ever that Delo's probably coming back. Uh, mm-hmm. And particularly looking at his market, too. Like, we tend to look at it like, who else is going to pay Delo? If I'm D'Angelo Russell, where else am I going to go? Yeah. Right? So I think I think all signs are pointing towards D'Angelo Russell coming back. Um, again, you never know. Crazy things happen in the NBA. But that's the way it looks right now. Austin comes back. Rui comes back. And, and you're going to make a few small moves. Maybe it's Javon Carter. Maybe it's Josh Richardson. Maybe it's, you know, a a number of other players that you could go after. Mason Plumlee might fit the bill, right? Like there's, there's some guys that that could certainly fit the bill in free agency, but that's going to be the game plan here. I don't think unless something drastic happens between now and free agency starting, I don't think we're going to get the Woj bomb. Oh my gosh. The Lakers got that guy. Like, I don't think that moment's happening this year. And Sean, I'm very much okay with it. I am very much okay with that. I think we could do for a little bit of stability for once.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially when the team that you're trying to like stabilize went to the Western Conference Finals last year. Yes, I'm completely okay with running back most of that team. And like Rob kind of hinted at, like we've been saying for a while now, running back for the most part and build around the margins. Like that's not bad. Year two coach, year two with the same scheme you don't have to go through another scheme change or whatever like i'm i'm completely all hands on deck for for running it back for the most part
0: all right i need to pause for just a moment to give a shout out to one of our sponsors and that is bird dogs uh bird dogs are stretch khaki shorts and they are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg to give you a truly sculpted look the shorts uh fit better than regular shorts those shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton, they are just not the same. I can tell you guys from my experience, you put on a pair of bird dogs and it, they just, it's, it's remarkable. They feel cooler on your skin. It feels like you're wearing the other side of the pillow. That is the best way I can describe it. They use anti-stink sweat-wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day. You go to birddogs.com pool and enter promo code pool and you get a free Yeti style tumbler. Tumbler looks just like this. You guys have seen me using it on all of our shows. You get this for free with your order. That's birddogs.com/slash pool for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right, Sean. Let's talk a little bit about LeBron James taking to Instagram. You know, this is the time of year where we start seeing the way too early mock drafts. Well, one came out for the 2024 NBA draft, which Bronny James will conceivably be a, be a part of. And it had him going number 17 to the Atlanta Hawks. And LeBron puts that onto his Instagram story, mentioning that the James gang will pull up to Atlanta. <laughs> this it this is just reinforced. Like there's this thought out there that, LeBron is going to go wherever Bronny goes next season, next, Uh next summer. Um, He does have a player option in his Lakers contract. If LeBron is hell bent on playing for whatever team Bronny is on, all he has to do is opt out of whatever contract he's uh, of the Lakers contract and go sign for whatever that team can pay him. Right. And you're, you're already a billionaire. He could go play for somebody for a veteran minimum if he really wanted, if it's or if it's that, player, it, or, or the taxpayer minimum, or whatever, if he is that determined to go play with his son. And I don't fault him for that. That would be incredible to see a father and son play together in the NBA. That's amazing. But I guess first, what does this mean for the Lakers? Like, how, how likely is it that this is the end of the line? That this season coming up here, the 2023-2024 season is the last of LeBron in a Lakers uniform?
1: I think it's very likely, but at the same time, it doesn't really change much of my perspective on the Lakers, what the move should be going forward. Um, LeBron's tenure as a, as a Laker, because I feel like this was more, there, there's two versions that you can look at this from that I've seen on Twitter Was like, hey, look, oh, LeBron's joking. He's saying like they're gonna go visit Bronny. Is one I saw in Atlanta. Sure. And Mm -hmm. then the other one, which I think is increasingly the more likely one, and the one that's been hinted at for a while. He's even like publicly said it. I'm going to play wherever Bronny James gets drafted. And so, I think it just makes it. I don't want to say the word pressure, but like it does put a bigger emphasis on this season. In terms of like, hey, look, we got to maximize it, which is why to a certain extent, going back to your workout analogy, I'm not blowing it all up one more time in a free agency class that isn't that good, by the way, Mm -hmm. and like risk something risk being like, hey, look, well, maybe, maybe this, maybe this can fit, maybe, you know, XYZ where it's like, okay, look, you run it back. We know what D'Lo, Reeves, Ruri, LeBron, AD all do together we know vando max uh we kind of know the rookies at least their college came at least like there's a level of familiarity there and like like you said it's not complacency at all it's like familiarity comfort to a certain extent without getting complacent and Mm -hmm. like you said you can master it you can master that fit because it does fit nicely i think especially if guys keep uh progressing and developing so um Again, long story short, I think it just puts a bigger emphasis on this season as potentially being your the end of your championship window for the time being. It could very easily open back up if the Lakers like do something crazy next summer. But um, yeah, it just puts a bigger emphasis on you got to go win next season.
0: Yeah, I think that's that is going to be obviously that. I mean, anytime you got LeBron on your roster, you're trying to win right now. But I mean, there's look, Le- LeBron had some comments months ago that made it sound like, well, I don't have to be on the same team as Bronny. I just want to be on the floor with him. Kind of as though he was opening the door for the possibility that he stays with the Lakers and he's just happy to play maybe even against Bronny in an NBA game. And then that would kind of satisfy him. Um, This though is just going to fuel the fire that whoever drafts him gets Bronny. What is, how high does Bronny go in the draft? If and obviously this is a conversation we'll have throughout the year, but if it is made clear, whoever drafts Bronny gets LeBron. Like, how high does someone take Bronny in, in the about, NBA draft?
1: Bronny's about to be a top five pick, <laughs> right? I mean, like Bronny very well. He could very well ball out. I'm not trying to like like be condescending or whatever. So, like Bronny is a good talent, but like. Some team might overdraft him just for like the thought of it's bet let LeBron be a top ten player still next season. Somebody is gonna probably overdraft Bronny. Like to put in like actually like tangible terms. Let's say Bronny is like the prospect Bronny James is a second round pick, Bronny's gonna take a top twenty. If yeah. LeBron James is still a top ten player next season, like and that's the Bronny's the first round pick, top twenty pick. Hmm.
0: It'll be interesting. Yeah, if somebody does like, if you had an organization that was struggling with ticket sales and things like that, and couldn't quite, you know, that just didn't have that much buzz around them, that'd be awfully tempting. That'd be off. Of course, who knows? Maybe, maybe the Lakers wind up drafting Bronny. We'll see. We'll see. You never know what happens there. All right, let's get into this. I want to get into one of our special segments here, and that is more than meets the eye sponsored by Oakley
2: more than meets the eye sponsored by Oakley.
0: John hadn't seen that drop before. (laughs) It's a first for him. We just had that made up the other day. Um, And the topic that I want to get into is D'Angelo Russell. We want to dig a little bit deeper on D'Angelo Russell. Should D'Angelo Russell return? We've talked about him a lot, but, Boy, Sean, uh, we we may have uh, kicked the hornets' nest on uh, on Twitter, stirred some people up. Uh, what what are you? You did a little bit of deep dive on where D'Lo gets his shots from and things of that nature. I want to preface this by saying I like D'Angelo Russell a lot. I would like to see him come back. I think he fits well with the Lakers, but this is more just digging into. Okay, he was terrible for four games in the Western Conference Finals. Why, what, what, what could be a possible reason for that? Why does he seem to struggle when the shot's not falling to, to provide value and that sort of thing? So what, what did you find when you were digging into some of the stats?
1: Yeah. And again, shout out to Oakley for sponsoring this show and this segment. But uh, the fact that we have to like, make sure it's very clear. Like Charles says, I want to make it clear. I like Dela and I do too, actually, I think. And I'll start my point off by saying D'Angelo Russell is a good NBA player for like start off there um he doesn't make the amount of money he's made he does have the uh career he's had as a starter without being a good NBA player that's just a fact right he's not going to be making probably 20 plus million dollars if he wasn't a good NBA player that's also just a fact um D'Angelo Russell is I guess I'll talk about some of the good stuff first D'Angelo Russell is a underrated playmaker which apparently I guess like in our interactions on Twitter, people thought we weren't crediting his playmaking. Like he's an underrated playmaker. Um, I guess, honestly, like he just doesn't go to it as frequently as you probably should. If you're an elite level playmaker, which is where I draw a line. Like he's a good playmaker underrated, mm-hmm. but he's good. And that's fine. Like it's okay. That he's just good as a playmaker in theory. He is a really good shot maker. And shot creator. Uh, I won't go that far. He's a really good shot maker. There's a difference. I'll explain the difference in a sec. Um, and he's a really, really freaking good spot up three-point shooter. Like for the Lakers last season, he mm-hmm. shot uh, 42.4% on open catch and shoot threes, meaning you cannot leave him open. And in general for the Lakers, he shot 39.4% on catch and shoot looks for the Lakers last season. So Really, really good three-point shooter, good playmaker, good shot creator. He's a good basketball player. And I still think he's an okay team defender, makes some right reads, um, has some blunders, obviously, but he's a fine team defender, right? But my problem with D'Angelo Russell, I think the cap is for D'Angelo Russell, and I, I don't even know what spurred did. I was like, huh, why? Just look at D'Angelo Russell numbers or whatever. D'Angelo Russell is honestly... In theory, a better team fit in terms of like pairing connects to LeBron, AD, and Co. Right, than a scheme fit. What I mean by that is like we look at Darvin Ham and what in Chris Jen and what the Lakers coaching staff wants offensively from their on-ball players. I think they want guards and I'm throwing LeBron James into this mix as well because he's like basically the point guard of the offense at times. Um, they want their guards and on-ball handlers to be able to create and facilitate from all three levels of the floor, mid-range, three-point range, obviously, and, and at the rim, and be able to put pressure on the rim. It doesn't even really even matter to a certain extent how well of a finisher you are. Like, they dealt with Russ. Russ shot 57% at the rim. As a clipper, I don't remember the numbers for the Lakers. But, like, that's not great, right? 31st percentile for Russell Westbrook. But, like, be able to create from three levels of the floor for yourself and for teammates, and that's the biggest, like, I feel a disconnect between Darvin, the coaching step and D because D when he gets to the rim, albeit when he does get there, he is a good finisher. He's shot 64% the rim this season for the Lakers, which is really mm-hmm. good, right? You combine that with some of the other shooting numbers. He got something, but the problem with D'Angelo Russell is he can't consistently get to the rim. Like in the playoffs, he was, I want to say in the fifth percentile in terms of like all NBA playoff players, in terms of their scoring possessions ending at the rim, scoring possessions per synergy are uh, made shot, missed shot, foul turnover. If you want to look at drives per game, it was like 5.6 drives per game. This is like just NBA tracking data, NBA.com tracking data, which is like below Kyle Lowry, barely above like guys like Derek White and things of that nature. It's like he isn't getting to the rim effectively enough, which is why at times I think you can see him being delegated more as an off ball player. Part of that is also he's a really good shooter, but when you look at the Lakers' like on-ball rotation, if you will, between LeBron, Dennis, and Austin, all three of those dudes do, do a really good job of getting to the rim like at a decent of a level. And when you get to the playoffs and you're facing a Denver Nuggets team with Chris uh, Christian Brown, Bruce Brown, Aaron Gordon at times, I don't think he got matched up a, a ton. Michael Porter Jr., who has size, I think is becoming underrated defensively and jamal murray who's a good point of attack defender it gets pretty tough and then also this is more so opinion not like factual or whatever i think delo is kind of overrated as a self-creator and the difference in my opinion between self-creator and uh like shot maker shot maker and shot creator shot maker like you can hit tough shots like kyrie irving might be a bad example but kyrie irving is an elite level shot maker right i think delo is a good shot maker right but the difference is kyrie irving is also an elite shot creator and, like, Mm -hmm. self-creator, where D'Lo, I'm like, he's okay, but, like, you put a bigger body on him, like, D'Lo's one-on-one self-creation package isn't creating enough separation to where he can get easy shots or get to the rim, and that's my biggest problem with D'Lo offensively, I think it can explain why in the playoffs, where you hone in on on players' tendencies and traits a little bit more, and, like, this one was glaring. I can't believe I didn't find it sooner, but, like, oh, crap, D'Lo doesn't go to the rim. Okay, cool. Let's, just, let's throw a bigger body on him, make sure he gets to the rim even less. Regular season drives per game numbers like around eight, which is serviceable. And then you limit that, you lower that to five. So he's not getting to the rim. He's already not getting to the rim a ton. We're going to make sure he gets to the rim less. And we're going to throw a bigger body, a good defender on him, to make sure that every single shot D'Angelo Russell takes is tough. Say it all to say, he's a good player. I'm in favor of re-signing him, but at the same time, I'm also in favor of, like, getting a Dante DiVincenzo, obviously, who I think can play both ends offensively as a connector piece that can knock down catch-and-shoot looks, and then defensively be a a point-of-attack defender that can can help guard the opponent's best guards, knock down threes, and let Austin have the reins offensively. Let LeBron have the reins. Uh, He's going to have it anyway, but, like, I think that's the biggest thing holding D'Angelo Russell back. And it would be nice to see that change. But, like, unfortunately, if you go back to like Minnesota numbers from a season and a half ago. I think this is just who D'Angelo Russell is as a player. Don't mean like double, like, be a Debbie Downer or whatever. He's a great player, really good player. But I think anything more than a quality starter is, I think, a bit too much when we evaluate D'Angelo Russell.
0: And I think quality starter is just fine for for this team. I do like his skill set. Ultimately, if you look at what you should put next to Austin, what you should put next to LeBron, next to AD, you need somebody who can be comfortable playing on or off the ball. He can do that. You want somebody who can hit the three. He can do that. Uh, this is more of an explainer for why does it seem like D'Lo disappears for games? Why does it seem like he had that tough stretch in uh, the Western Conference Finals? Not even seem like clearly in a very tough stretch in the Western Conference Finals. It's because if that shot isn't falling, he's not getting to the rim enough, and, and part of the a lot of this gets wrapped up into his athleticism. I think that's why getting a shot up becomes a little bit more difficult um, during the postseason as defense ramps up. Uh, it's that lack of athleticism with with his game, and then he's a good facility. like he's a good initiator, good do it passer. Enough. Yeah, he can. Yeah, that's just it. Like on a Lakers team that has Austin, that has LeBron, that has AD. He's not going to be. It's not going to be. Hey, pick and roll with D'Lo with the ball in his hands enough for that to be the main reason why you've got him on the floor. If the mm-hmm. shot's not falling, um, if the shot's falling, he's great. Like when we saw it this season, when the shot is falling, he's great. If the shot's not falling, he's not a good enough individual defender. He's not a good enough rebounder. And the passing, the playmaking, it's good. But that's not enough for me to to have him on the floor, just the just the playmaking. So that's, I think, the issue with D'Lo. And, and there's just... I don't look at it even as like, oh, he's not a big game player. He doesn't mm. make shots when the lights are at the brightest and things like that. I think some of it is the defense in the postseason. I think some of it, too, is just shooting percentages naturally have a volatility volatility to them. And so that's why I sometimes feel like there's a little bit of inconsistency there with D'Lo. Um Again, all of that just is more just context and understanding of why Delo's value game to game might feel like it fluctuates so much. I still think you bring him back. And part of the reason for that is who are you replacing him with? Yeah. Fred, Fred Van Vliet wants 30 million plus. A lot of people just point to him and go, Oh, just bring back, bring in Fred Van Vliet, double sign and trade. Those are easy. No, they're not. Um, but, you're not going to go get Fred VanVleet, especially if he wants $30 million plus per year. Kyrie's not coming. Yeah, There's there's not a better guard on the market than Delo So a lot of people say, oh, let this guy walk. Who are you replacing him with? And don't say LeBron at the point. He doesn't want to do that. Yeah. He doesn't want to do that anymore. Again, I think you bring back Delo I think you bring him back. I think he's good. I think he fits on the offensive end. I think it was just important that we provide some context for why. Why does he have these stretches? And you know what that causes, Sean? That causes within the fan base there to be evidence in either either direction. Mm-hmm. Right? We live in this world, this sports landscape, where what you have to do now, right? And literally, I mean, they're taught this in schools, in broadcasting schools and things like that. You see, players that are getting ready to to transition are taught into, into broadcasting are are taught how to come on and give hot takes, right? Like the art of the hot take you have to, doesn't even matter if you're right all that often, just come on and have a strong opinion in one direction or another and be able to, uh, to explain that opinion in 45 seconds to a minute, right? Like that's, that's the, the game crazy. And so because that's the way, and I don't even think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it loses some of the art of, of debate. But the, because of that, because of that, you get a lot of people that feel like, well, this is the way things are. And that means I have to either be all in on this player or all out on this player. I either love this player or I hate this player. Right? This guy's the greatest. This guy's the worst. And for some players, they don't provide the opportunity for uh-huh. that, right? Because there's that consistency night in, night out. They might have a few good games. They might have a few bad games. But for the most part, the the peaks and valleys aren't nearly as high or low. And so you don't get that kind of that loud back and forth from the two warring factions, right? With d though, if you think, oh, my gosh, this guy is terrible. Get him off my team. This guy is not going to, it doesn't work. You're going to be able to find evidence to support that. Yeah. If you think D'Lo is great and he's exactly what the Lakers need, you're going to be able to find evidence to support that as well. Yeah. And so again, I think this all gets wrapped up into the current sports climate, the sports culture that we've got. And not saying that D'Lo is the Russell Westbrook level of polarizing, but he's polarizing in, in that way. Um, and so you do get his fans out there. You get the people who are who say, no, 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 he was terrible in the Western Conference Finals. Get rid of him. Yeah. I think it was important that we go a little deeper and try to find what the truth really is without necessarily worrying about who screams the loudest in a in a hot take situation.
1: Yeah, no, seriously. Uh, I guess my closing two uh, points. First, thank you for bringing up D'Lo as a ball, uh, ball, like pick and roll ball handler. I can't believe I didn't mention that. He had a much better season out of ball screens with Minnesota than he did with LA. I think it was like points per possession, maybe like 0.975 with the, uh, with the Blazers, not the Blazers crap shoot the, uh, Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this year is like 0.8, something like low eights though for the Lakers. So a more efficient ball uh, ball handler out of ball screens with the Timberwolves and with the Lakers. There's a bunch of different reasons for why that potentially could be I'm not going to dive into that here. And then, um, yeah, I guess to close it off with the Delo thing, he's a very, very good basketball player. But like Trevor, I think was just alluding to very, very good. But like there's some flaws that I personally don't think as a basketball analyst that's trying to fairly evaluate the Lakers roster, I don't think I can ignore. Like good basketball player made himself a, a bunch of money because he is a good NBA player. But like he has flaws and it's why. He's not at this stage of his career in all-star point guard. Very high quality point guard, though. Starting point guard. But like, yeah, yeah good player.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I'll tell you what, though, too. This is my kind of put a bow on the Delo thing. Again, I, I can't say it more clearly. I think they should bring him back. I, yes. I think he should continue to be in the backcourt with Austin. I think they should bring him back. Uh, It gives you time to bring JHS along and and let him kind of learn the ropes and and everything. I don't know what that means for Dennis Schroeder's future. We'll see. I think D'Lo should be back. But um, there is like a human element to this as well. And when we're looking at at D'Lo, there was a comment that he made. It was shortly after he joined the Lakers. And he was asked if it felt... I'm paraphrasing. He was asked if it felt like home. Mm -hmm. Like if he felt like he was at home. And he said no. He said Mm -hmm. no. And he said the reason is essentially because no, like he hasn't really had stability in the NBA. Yeah. Like he's going to be a free agent. He doesn't know what the future holds. And if you look at his situation, like no team has ever said you're our guy. And let's commit to you. Mm-hmm. So at what point has he ever felt comfortable? Right. As a rookie coming in, obviously he went through all the stuff with the Nick Young thing, right? And you can say he's he's to blame for that. And that's fine. Like I'm not gonna relitigate that whole thing. But that's a difficult situation for a young person. That's a difficult situation for anybody to navigate, right? Once you something like that happens, and then you are in the in the eye of the the media and, and everybody's everybody's got their opinions on you and everything. That's not easy. Right, then he gets traded from the Lakers to Brooklyn, right? And Brooklyn gets him, and Brooklyn's thinking, okay, maybe this can be our guy. But it wasn't long, you know. He, he he's an All Star in Brooklyn. Suddenly, the opportunity is there to get Kevin Durant. So Brooklyn says, okay, see you later. He gets a new contract. Golden State got him not because they wanted D'Angelo Russell. They got him because they wanted to keep the salary slot from Kevin Durant leaving. It wasn't like they got him and went, yes, we've got our backcourt player of the future with Steph. Let's go. No. And in fact, they traded him not much longer down the road for Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. And obviously that worked out great for Golden State. But Minnesota gets him. Minnesota's like, well, you know, your cat's best friend or one of his best friends. So yeah, we'll we'll bring you in, but it was pretty clear that he was, you know, not fully accepted there. They start moving to the bench and all that, and and it looked like he was wearing out his welcome there. So even Minnesota wasn't like all in on Dila. He hasn't had a team just say, "Here's your contract, that we're giving you, because we believe in you, because we want you here long term," and for a player of his caliber, there's a aspect of it that that is kind of sad. And he, and he kind of feels yeah. sympathetic when you think about, about that for a guy like him, given the situations that, that he's been in. Uh, you could say, well, some of that is because of his skill set or because of his you know drawbacks defensively or whatever. But there's a part that would feel good to, for D'Lo to be able to say, and you never know with the NBA, it's a business. But for D'Lo to get a contract that at least says this is home for at least a little while, I think that would be a, a cool thing to see as well. Just to see what does that what does that mean for him as a person to have a team say, "Yeah, you are our guy," because I don't think that's happened.
1: Yeah, great sentimental way to end the show. I don't know how to respond now.
0: <laughs> let's let's end the show with this. It's free agency week. Yeah, it's all kicking off. By free, it's happening right now. Right, the curtains are going to open. At 6 o'clock Eastern time on Friday. But everything's really going down right now. Right? All, yeah. all that. It's all set up. We're just going to kind of hear the results. Right? But that's still. That's. I can't wait. Free agency is always a blast. Please know Lou Dane, Timofey Mozgov moments. <laughs> and let's go. I can't wait to see how this roster comes together. How it's all built out. What kind of deals come together. What path. We still don't know. That's the amazing part of this offseason. We don't know. Are the Lakers going to be able to use the mid-level exception? Are they going to be able to use the biannual exception? Could they use both? Is it neither? Do they get the taxpayer mid-level exception? Might they not even get that? What do they do with Mo Bamba? What do they do with Malik Beasley? What happens if they decide they want to be a cap space team and then they get the room exception? There's so many different ways they could play this. And even with Rob saying, yeah, we're pretty much going to run it back, right? There's still... Lots of decisions for them to make. So I can't wait to see exactly how they put this whole thing together. Uh that's coming up Friday again. Sean, I'm I'm about as good. Can we just get there already? Can we fast forward to that point? Let's yeah, see. I
1: was just about to say, like, we guys like aren't subscribed, you should subscribe, let alone just because of how excited Trevor is to break yes. down the free agency and the cap space <laughs> stuff and the roster build. That's another reason to subscribe. Trevor, right now, like that last two minutes was like me anytime we got to talk draft like the last month. So <laughs> now we get to do this. Heck yeah, Trev, let's go. Yep.
0: Let's go, let's go. All right, thank you everybody for joining us over on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Thank you for joining us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Those of you listening, uh, I believe, uh, most of you that are listening over on the podcast feed, probably on Apple Podcasts, give us that five-star rating and review. If you're on Spotify, you can review us there as well. Again, appreciate all of you joining us, and I hope we do get to see a lot of you out at Summer League in Las Vegas. Till next time, everybody. See ya, and stay safe.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.